This is Check Us Out, the podcast of the Montclair Public Library. I'm Peter Coyle, Library Director, and I'm glad you're joining us once again. Have you ever wondered what your neighborhood library workers read? Well, wonder no more. Molly and Maurice are going to share with you what they're reading, and then they'll tell you about some upcoming programs and share some resources to help you self-publish that novel you've always wanted to write. Later on, Kirsten will tell you about some highly anticipated young adult books, and Ken will talk about some new gems that are coming out this month. And stay tuned for Selwa's conversation with Montclair resident and author Jacqueline Mraz about her nonfiction book, Girl Talk, What Science Can Tell Us About Female Friendship. Hello, this is Maurice from the Adult School Department of the Montclair Public Library. And this is Molly from the Adult Services Department of the Montclair Public Library. Welcome everyone to the year 2020. It actually feels like we're aboard this Starship Enterprise as I say that. (laughs) But in all seriousness, we wish everyone a safe, productive, and very fun new year. Maurice, are you reading anything good in this new year? Actually, I, I have. I just finished a wonderful graphic novel it will be released in 2020, so I was able to read it pre-pub, which was exciting. It is called Black Cotton Star from Steve Kuzor and Yves Sentai, and I hope I'm saying both their names right. They're both European, but uh, the book is a European imprint. It was published in Europe, and now it's coming to the States, so the publishing States, I should say, in 2020. It's a World War II adventure, which involves a African-American brother and sister pair, and the sister is in the States, and the brother is fighting abroad in France during uh, D-Day, during and after D-Day. It's a story of patriotism, injustice, racism, national identity, uh, told from a very different point of view, a very, I would say, unique point of view. It's it's very exciting. It's also very, uh, has a very epic scale, you know, and the illustrations are wonderful, and the character work is wonderful. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but it, the pair themselves are descendants of one of the black servants of Betsy Ross, and the title refers to a black cotton star that was sewn into one of her early flags by their ancestors of form of protest. So it's a, it's a very wonderful story. I can't wait for people to be able to read it. And what about you, Molly? You read anything? Well, that sounds fascinating. I love graphic novels, and I am actually reading a graphic novel right now. It's called Are You Listening by Tilly Walden. And it's, I just started it, so I really don't know much about it, but I really like it already. It's basically some kind of road trip story, and I'm trying to figure out how the two characters on this road trip are sort of connected. They seem to kind of know each other, and I'm not sure where else it's going to take them. I know there's some kind of cat character that's going to come into play with something, um, but so far I really like it. Um, The illustrations are gorgeous, and I'm very much invested in the story already, so I'm happy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's been very interesting. I mean, I love road trip narratives, so I, I, I can't wait to track this down. Yeah, so a pair of road trip narrative with a graphic novel, and you have my attention. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful combination. <laughs> so should we talk about some programs coming up? We can. Um, at the adult school, you know, we're, for the for our winter session, you know, there's four major programs that we're sort of excited about that I can talk about. Leading them off is Willie Cole in Conversation. Art and Life Inspired by Newark. That's on Monday, February 24th. Cole's an influential sculptor and assemblage artist with deep roots in his, in his area. He'll discuss his creative process inspirations for his many influential works that have been showcased um, locally here at the Mockler Art Museum as well as the Newark Museum of Art, as well as uh, several major galleries and museums, both across the country as well as overseas. So that's something we're very excited about. 
We're also welcoming back the Montclair Orchestra on Friday, March 6th. They will be presenting Scottish Traditions with fiddler and bagpiper Kenneth McKenzie and step dancer Jenny McKenzie. They'll be here for an evening of Gaelic music, dance, and even a little bit of language. Keeping with the dance theme, we're also going to be showcasing, we're to be showcasing, I should say, Deja Riley Isadorchik. She will lead an evening of dance, exercise, and candid conversation rooted in her life journey as the daughter of music royalty who would become a professional dancer working alongside A-list artists, including Beyonce, in world, world tours as well as in music videos. She uh, has a very impeccable track record. Or I say a very exciting career, she said. One that is free of charge is the 32nd Universe, which astrophysicist Charles Liu, um, many of the Montclair area are familiar with him. He was here last year and he did a wonderful lecture for us for the anniversary of the Apollo mission. He's coming back to with, for a panel discussion. And he's going, he and two colleagues will be discussing significant, uh, uh, ask significant concepts from the cosmos uh, about space, but in a way that everyday people can understand it. That's sort of Charles Liu's strength. Those who were here last time know that. Both Deja Riley is a door check as well as Willie Cole. Those are both free events. So both Willie Cole, Deja Riley is, is a door check, and Charles Liu, all three are free. So we want to remove That's the great. barriers so people can come and enjoy all three. These are, you know, we're trying to cover, you know, art, fine arts, dance, and uh, science. And these are meant for everybody. They're not, you know, for people who are, you know, hardcore fine arts people or, you know, only there for, you know, science, you know, junkies. These are for everybody, you know, for their new, you know, for entry, you know, the, the barriers of entry. Casual interest. Casual interest right? for there, yeah. yes. So the barriers of entry are very low for everyone, you know, hopefully. So. That's great. That's so. awesome. We also are going to have started off, I should say, in Jaren with a very timely lecture on presidential decisions for war and peace. That's from retired history professor Eugene Lieber. That will, be on, that will be on the morning of Friday, January 24th at the library. Sounds great. I'll add a couple more programs to look out for in January through the Adult Services Department. We've got a couple programs going on that I kind of think of as a, a New Year, New You kind of theme of self-improvement or um, we have some health uh, programs in there as well. Um, so our popular Just Walk fitness class is going to start again every Tuesday in January at noon in the auditorium. It's a mild to moderate intensity level class where you can walk up to three miles just in one hour. It's uh, People really love it. I would recommend checking it out. We also have a couple essential oils related programs. We have a winter wellness essential oils program on January 21st at 7. That's a Tuesday. And in essential oils and your emotions on Thursday, January 30th at 6. We also have a program about information about going gluten-free and what that means. That's on Tuesday, January 21st at 6. I'll put all this in the description on the podcast page. And I realize I'm going out of date order. We also have a program on financial literacy called Becoming an Informed Investor. The South Orange, uh, South Orange, Seton Hall, which is in South Orange, law school, are, they're part of the, the investor advocacy project. So they'll be coming and sharing their knowledge about investments. And then we also have a great program called Self-Published Your Ebook on Tuesday, January 28th at six o'clock in the auditorium. And this will be a live demonstration of a resource that we have called BiblioBoard. If you're not familiar with that, it can be a great tool for independent authors and authors who want to self-publish their work. With BiblioBoard, you get two different tools. One is um, the BiblioBoard collection, and you can submit a, a book 
book to that collection. It will be reviewed and in certain cases added, and then it will um, be accessible to any library and their patrons that use this service. So you can get kind of a wide readership out of it if your book is chosen. Um, even if you don't want to participate in that side of things, as a reader, you can just read the books um, in that collection. They have some really great titles, and they're all available instantly with no wait, which is pretty great. And um, there's also another tool um, called Pressbooks that's part of this um, subscription that we have. And Pressbooks lets you format your book into a, a really nice professional looking file that you can convert to an EPUB, a PDF, and that can put you in a, in a good position to have your book looking really good and ready to submit to an agent, a publisher, or this biblioboard platform. Whatever, whatever you're interested in. So we're going to have a live demonstration of, of Pressbooks and how to use it and how it works. And I think it's going to be really great. What better way to start your new year than, you know, taking on your, uh, your creative endeavors and taking it to the next level. I'll put links in the podcast page to access all of these services. What I love about Biblioboard is that they have geolocation capabilities. So you don't necessarily have to have a library card. You can register while you're in Montclair or at the library and then you won't have to have a library card to sign in every time. So it's really open to kind of everybody in the general area, which I, I love about it. So, and also just before we go, I want to mention two additional events happening in January, two really great open book, open mind events coming up on January 12th, which is a Sunday at four in the auditorium. We have Taffy Brodesser Ochner, uh, Fleischman is in trouble. And then on um, Sunday, January 26th at 4 p.m. in the auditorium, we have Andrew Morantz, with his book, Antisocial, and I'll put more information about that. But there's a lot to look forward to in January, wouldn't you say, Maurice? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys are hitting all the bases. I mean, I like the idea of, obviously, you mentioned creative endeavors. It's always some people, you know, endeavor to do at the beginning of the new year, as well as nutrition and finance. Those are two areas that people are always looking to address as new year begins. So I love the fact you guys like hitting, you know, all those bases. That's very, very important. You know, so I'm very excited about those. Uh, I think if people spend some time at the library this January, they will be spending their year off right. Well, I'm a little biased because I love the library, but um, I hope that do. I hope these uh, these events uh, sound interesting to everybody. We look forward to everyone in the new year. Happy New Year, everybody! All right, so this is Molly and Maurice signing off. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Everybody, this is Kirsten. I'm the teen librarian at MPL. I've got some highly anticipated January young adult new releases to highlight today, so be sure to check them out in the new year. First up, we've got 19 Love Songs by David Levithan. He's the author of Boy Meets Boy, Every Day, and many other books exploring gender identity and orientation, um, and he's returning with a new collection of short stories, songs, and artwork. This book is exploring themes of different kinds of love, ranging from romantic to parental to universal. Some of the pieces in the book feature characters from Levithan's other books, so if you're a fan of his work, there should be some fun Easter eggs to find in there. Next up, we have Not So Pure and Simple by Lamar Giles. This is a thought-provoking comedy in which Adele, a high school student who has never had much luck dating, inadvertently joins a purity pledge group to get closer to his crush and finds himself in contention with a group of teen mothers at his high school. The story explores toxic masculinity and the double standards for young men and women in ways that manage to be funny, fresh, and surprising, and never pandering or preaching. Up next, we've got Chosen by Kirsten White. She's the author of many thoughtful reimaginings of classic horror stories, such as the fantastic, sweeping, anti-darken series and the complex, thoughtful, dark descent of Elizabeth Frankenstein. And she's back with another entry in her Slayer series. This series is set in the world established by Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but it focuses on a new crop of characters. White is one of my favorite YA authors right now, um, and not just because we share a first name. Her books are always smart and directly engaged with the text they're based on while still managing to craft something new and commenting on the original text at the same time. 
Um, and usually she's got a feminist bent to the commentary. I just highly recommend her checking out anything she's written. Following that, we've got A Heart So Fierce and Broken by Bridget Kemmerer. This next book in the Cursebreaker series follows A Curse So Dark and Lonely and plunges readers back into the dark fantasy world of the previous book. It explores themes such as PTSD, societal differences, and the complexities of sibling relationships, all against the backdrop of palace intrigue and magic. Finally, we've got Almost American Girl, an illustrated memoir by Robin Ha. This graphic memoir is about the author's move from Korea to America when she was 14, and she thought that they were just coming to Alabama for a trip. Soon after, she learned that in fact they were going to be staying and her mother was marrying her American boyfriend. The book is about the culture shock that Ha experiences as she adjusts to her new life and how she rediscovers her love of drawing and comics in her kind of adjustment phase. It's full of lovely, soft illustrations and ultimately celebrates the relationship between her and her mother, and also is a very sweet, gentle coming-of-age story. I think that's all I've got for you this month. I'm going to turn it over to our collection development librarian, Ken. Hi. January is usually a pretty slow month for publishing, since the big titles are usually released in time for the holiday season. However, there are always some gems to look forward to, and here are some of the ones that I'd like to check out. First off is Near Prospect Park, the fourth book in Lawrence Levy's Mary Handley series. Set around the turn of the last century, Mary is a private detective in New York who is brought in by police commissioner Theodore Roosevelt to help investigate the assault of a teenage girl involving the famous architect Stanford White. Reviews have pointed out that Levy brings a Me Too sensibility to the period mystery genre, and Roosevelt's tenure as New York police commissioner has previously been a factor in Caleb Carr's Alienist novels, the third of which comes out in September. Next is High Five, the latest IQ novel from author Joe Ide. I can't recommend this series highly enough. Isaiah Quintabi is one of the most unlikely heroes in crime fiction, an unassuming African-American high school dropout in south-central L.A., he is fiercely loyal to his neighbors and makes a point of charging them only what they can afford. He often works for car repairs or food. In the new book, he has to protect the only witness and possible suspect of the murder of an arms dealer. Third is Yellow Earth, a rare novel by the filmmaker John Sales. Sales is the director of Matewan, Eight Men Out, The Return of the Sea Caucus 7, and The Brother from Another Planet. As a novelist, he wrote the excellent Union Dues back in the 1970s and the sprawling Los Gusanos in the early 90s. Yellow Earth is only his fifth novel. It is set in the political and cultural world of the Sioux tribe just prior to the Standing Rock protests of a few years ago. And last, I love when you find that a writer you like is actually two writers. The Irish author John Banville won the Booker Prize in 2005 for his novel The Sea and incidentally used some of the money from his prize to buy copies of all the books of the finalists on the list to donate to public libraries throughout Ireland. But he also writes crime novels under the pseudonym Benjamin Black. His main character is Quirk, a pathologist in Dublin in the 1950s. He was also chosen by the Raymond Chandler estate to write a new Philip Marlowe novel, The Black-Eyed Blonde, five years ago. His new book, As Benjamin Black, is a bit of a departure, seemingly more of a suspense story than a strict crime novel. Titled The Secret Guests, it takes place during the Blitz in 1940. The main characters are Princess, now Queen, Elizabeth, and her sister Margaret, staying secretly at an estate in Ireland. Tensions mount as their host tries to keep their identities from leaking out among the German sympathetic Irish. Apparently, Banville says that the premise for the novel is true and that the princesses did stay in Ireland for a time. Either way, it sounds like a fun read. And that's all for this month. 
Hello, my name is Selwa Shami, and I'm with Jacqueline Rose, a veteran journalist and longtime science writer for the New York Times. She's the author of Scattered Seeds in Search of Family and Identity in the Sperm Donor Generation, and she lives in Montclair, New Jersey. Her latest novel is called Girl Talk, What Science Can Tell Us About Female Friendship. Hi, Jackie. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you for having me. So you live in Montclair. When and why did you move to Montclair? Um, My husband and I moved here from Hoboken about 20 years ago. And my sister lived here and we found we were spending more time here than in Hoboken. We we loved the restaurants and we would go to Brookdale Park. And um, I grew up nearby, so I was already familiar with the town. So, um, and I, I love the sense of community, the restaurants, the cultural offerings, and the diversity here. What are some of your favorite spots in Montclair? Well, besides the library, I love Raymond's, Marcel, Daikichi, Java Love, The Corner. Those are some of my favorite places too. What's your relationship with libraries been in your life? So I was a voracious reader as a child, and I'm still a big reader. And I would often go to my local library for advice on what to read next. And so that was very helpful. Um, And my town library was housed in an old mansion. So it always felt like a magical place for me to go. That sounds like fun. Yeah. What interested you in writing a science-based book about female friendship? So I um, I have lots of friends and wonderful friends, but sometimes I would have interactions with friends that were kind of confusing and I couldn't really figure out what was going on and I thought um, I have a a background in science journalism I write for the New York Times science section and I thought maybe I can use that background to investigate this question and figure out why women behave the way they do with their friends. Interesting. What are some of the health benefits of, of having friends in general? So there are um, lots of health benefits. There's lower blood pressure, lower heart rate and cholesterol. It prevents dementia, um, better brain resilience, stronger immune system, and having good friends can actually make us live longer. Yeah, I, when I read the book, I, I found that to be really interesting. And you even had a number. I think the magic number was 15. And I thought, I started counting. <laughs> Well, that's the number of friends that most people have, and and that's just the number of people that if you ran into them in the supermarket, you would stop and have a chat with them. Okay, true. Yeah. Uh, That's okay. I'm relieved about that. How have female friendships supported you as a writer? Um, Well, I've been in writer's groups with friends, so that was very supportive and helpful, and I also have many of my friends' stories in this book, which is kind of fitting. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just read something in the Times today about writing groups mm-hmm. um, and how that's, you know, really supportive. Um, it is. You have a chapter called The Breakup, and you write that sometimes when friendships end between women, it can be more difficult than ending a romantic relationship. Can you elaborate on that? Sure. So um, many of the women that I interviewed for this book, and I did do a survey, said that it was harder to recover from a friend breakup than a divorce. And I think that 
women's friendships are just much more fragile and intense than men's friendships and they find the breakups more difficult for that reason and they're more invested in these relationships um, I did an interview with Sirius Radio it's called Dr. Radio and a woman called in and she said that when she was in her 30s um, she had a friend breakup she had actually started going out with her friend's ex-boyfriend and that ended the relationship she was still very upset about it and wanted to reach out to her. And I said, well, how long ago is that? And she told me she was in her 70s now. Wow. So it had been 40 years yeah. that she was still, you know, upset about this friend breakup. Yeah. So that's... Yeah, everybody I know that, I mean, at least my, my female friends, um, they've all had falling outs, you know, with each other. Yeah. And um, I had one in particular that was really bad several years ago, but we managed to, you know, come Patch back into up. each other's lives. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in a different way, you know what I mean? I, th- I wonder if when friends reconcile, if, if, it's, if it's different somehow. Um, well, I think sometimes you have to kind of set limits or boundaries with yeah. friends that, that are, that makes that are difficult. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would think that the trust um, changes. And I, I have you did you come across some instances where women had been friends, but something happened and, and the trust between them changed? Well, definitely, trust is really important to female friendship, and that's why if there's a perceived betrayal of that trust, it can just end a friendship yeah. right there. Like if you think that your friend is talking about you behind your back, or um, going out with your ex-boyfriend, yeah, <laughs> things yeah. like that. Right. Um, you said that in the book that you, you have three sons. Right. Um, have you noticed that their friendships are, when you were researching this book, did you kind of ask them about their friendships and what, what that was like for them? I did. My my younger son is very um, kind of in tune to people's emotions, and um, he has a lot of friends. And I did talk to him about it, and he said, um that he feels like it's not fair that people think that boys don't really care about their friendships as Mm. much as girls do because he does Mm -hmm. but as one of three girls growing up I look at my three boys and I see that things are just easier for boys because because those friendships are not as intense and maybe they're not as deep or intimate either but they don't have that kind of bitchy behavior that women can have with each other okay what were some of the most interesting or difficult parts about writing this book? Um, so learning the science of what happens with friendship and why they break up, I thought was really interesting. And as I said, this kind of bitchy behavior, what I learned is that all humans are aggressive, but that when women, um, when it becomes socially unacceptable, unacceptable for girls to become to be outwardly aggressive, it beca- they become, um, they use indirect aggression or bitchy behavior. Mm. And so that's where you get that from. Like, I've heard stories of um, guys who would have a fight. One guy stabbed his friend, <laughs> and they remained friends wow. after that. Yeah. <laughs> Girls would never do that kind of thing. <laughs> Um, but I, and I was also really interested to learn about the cultural differences in friendship and, and also how animals have their own friendships with other animals. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, um, the, that the chapter on animal friendships. I thought that was pretty interesting. 
Um, how has you have also had a, a a chapter on social media? So how has social media impacted making friends and interacting with them? Doing the research on social media really made me look very differently at social media and um, and made me adjust my own use of it um, because people who tend to use social media a lot tend to be more depressed and anxious and experts say that in some ways we're actually lonelier and less bonded with our friends because of social media it's harder to create deep intimate relationships with other people and you're losing a lot of that face-to-face time yeah yeah i recall also that in some cases um, family members felt like they were able to keep in touch with each other a little bit better that that's one of the few positives (laughs) yeah that's what i you know that and also, um, if you have like a rare disease and you're trying to connect with other people yeah. who have that same disease, you know, that can be helpful, but those are some of the few rare instances. So could you explain the shine theory? Sure. So the shine theory is um, if I don't shine, you don't shine. And it's investing in people in your network. So if, say, your best friend gets book deal and you always wanted to write a book well it's kind of normal behavior to feel jealous of that friend but you could look at it in another way and think well they have this great um these great contacts now and maybe they can help me get my book published they can talk to their agent or publisher and get some insight so instead of feeling competitive with each other it's a, um, a theory that women can kind of boost each other and help each other what are you curious about these days? What kinds of things are you reading or listening to? Um, well, one thing I am curious about is what you mentioned about um, having three boys and looking at the way that they maintain their friendships and teenage friendship in general, I find really interesting. So I've been kind of observing that. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, and you know it's hard to get away from politics in this country right now, especially yes, that is true. <laughs> the impeachment hearings. Um, I'm always reading books through the literary festival, so I'm reading um, Julia Phillips' book right now. Okay. And um, Ann Patchett's new book. Oh, I, yeah, so, I want to read. Ann, I like Ann Patchett a lot. Yes, yeah, that's great. I haven't read her last two books, so. Um, so yeah, so you're you're um, one of the coordinators of the literary festival. Did you want to talk about that for a bit about sure. the 2020 literary festival? Yeah, so we have uh, a really incredible lineup this year. We have um, Isabel Allende, Malcolm Gladwell, Nicholas Kristoff coming, um, and Mo Rocca. Just these are the headliners. Um, the author of Circe is coming, Madeline Miller and um, Eric Larson, and we just booked Susan Rice is coming, the um, former ambassador to the UN. Wow. And she's in in conversation with Jay Johnson, who lives in Montclair and is the uh, former Homeland Security Secretary. That's a very exciting lineup. Yeah. What are the dates of the festival? Uh, March 25th to the 29th. Okay. Oh, and I forgot to mention, Paul Krugman is going to be in conversation with Bill Moyers. Wow, that's a big one. Yeah. I'm very excited. Yeah, that's great. great. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Jackie. Thank Um, you. I'm a big fan of the library, so 
Fantastic. I love doing this. Okay. Thanks Thank so you. much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Check Us Out. To learn more about our programs, services, and materials, visit us online at montclairlibrary.org or visit us in person. We'll be glad to see you.